following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. The Tip of the Cap podcast is brought to you by Stinger Sports, your number one source for quality sports gear. Stinger Sports, look great, feel great, play great. Visit them today online at www.stingerwoodbats.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Tip of the Cap podcast. I, as always, am your host, Derek Jaws. I am here today with the umpire that just feels like he's everywhere all the time, Joel Maris. Joel, how you doing, bud? I'm fine, Derek. How are you today? Good, good. Um, thanks for joining me, man. It's, uh, this is going to be a fun episode. Well, you know what? I've come down today, and we're trying to promote uh, your podcast, maybe get something on the Umpire World Network as well, and uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. All right. So, uh Real quick, just to kind of start us off here, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, how you got into umpiring, maybe a little bit, you know, just yes, about yourself when you were younger, and we'll go from there. Yes, sir. Well, um, Joel Mars Jr., my father, uh, Joel Mars Sr., was uh, president of the Westside Little League Baseball, founder of the Westside Little League Football, and I got involved in officiating uh, at a young age of 16. Uh, 1974 was my first year of umpiring with the Westside Little League Baseball, and uh you kind of say it's been history from there. My first year of uh, certification was 1984 with uh, Gary Nunder and the Western New York Umpires Association, and I've been doing it pretty much ever since. Uh, one of my uh, feathers in my cap, you might say, is I did end up getting my two sons to come and umpire with me, and uh, that was probably the greatest day of umpiring in my life was when those two boys worked with me, and uh, we did the championship game at uh, Babe Ruth in North Tonawanda. So that's just one of the small feathers, but I have worked for years in this industry, and um, I was UIC at All-Star Village at, at Cooperstown uh, as one of my jobs. Um, that was in 2016, and uh, that was a good time as well. So, yeah, um, been working a long time, and... Uh, take a lot of pride in what we do and the umpire world network is now something that uh we've got quite a quite a few people involved with uh in the industry and uh something that we're looking forward to um you know growing and making better for all of us umpires to get better and uh using the learning platform as a uh something that we can all be proud of yes sir awesome now why don't we why don't we start there let's uh so how how did Umpire World start? Where did you get the idea from? And I mean, and what exactly is it? Let's let's get the info out there for people who don't know. Okay, well, it, what it started out as is I was just in the Facebook server one day, and I, of course, because of my umpiring uh, interest, I looked up umpires, and I came across a web page called Umpiring the Third Team. Uh, it turned out that uh, a very good mentor of mine, Ian Kahanowitz, is a Boston lawyer who had this web page, and one of his mentors in the page was Al Clark, who was a 30-year uh, retired veteran of the American League and now because of that Al has become a mentor of mine a very good friend that I can call anytime with any situation uh, at any time of the day night and he can give us what we need to know as far as rulings or just pretty much anything that uh, involves the umpiring so the umpire network uh, is a series of different genres little league Cooperstown uh, NC2A uh, all kinds of things, um, Legion Ball. So we have a, a network that we are close to about 80,000 guys throughout the network, and it's something that we just uh, take a lot of pride in, and it's a learning platform for everyone from Little League all the way through college. And, again, we do have some retired uh, Major League umpires in there as well. So it's something that we are going 24-7, and we're growing by leaps and bounds. So um, this in, the, the platform can be found on Facebook. 
Yes, sir. By just by searching "Umpire World," uh, that, I believe I believe it's in in all caps. I'm I'm in the group, and uh, you know, actually, this is that's how this uh, this little interview kind of came to be. Is I put put my little uh, put my little flyer out there, and uh, you jumped on it pretty quick. Yes, so. sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we did have a breach of our security early in the uh, life of the web page. We had uh, "Umpire World" in lower caps, but then somebody did a uh, a breach of our one of my moderators uh, had a breach security, so we had to change it. And if you do look it up, it is all capital letters, uh, so that way you'll know that that's who we are. And um, we do have several moderators uh, that are across the country uh, and also around the world too, so we pretty much can cover all times and all days uh, to have people in the in the uh, in the server that will allow us to uh, keep track and and not have anybody really doing things that, that they shouldn't be doing we only have two rules uh, no bashing of umpires and we are allowed we do not allow profanity at all and other than that it's um, it's been fantastic we just uh, you know when I was younger learning we didn't have these platforms for learning we didn't have uh, clinics and so on and so forth so that's really where we're going with this project is to try to get everyone to learn. Uh, we work with several major companies. Uh, we work with Officials Depot, which uh, does promotions with us all the time, and we really have a great uh, relationship with them. Jim Kirk at Umpire, same thing, and um, several other different places. We have Jimmy Bentoncourt, who has um, uh, Umpire's uh, in black and white, which is an app that everyone should get on. It's a free app on your phone. Go to the Apple Store, and you can get umpiring in black and white. And it's basically uh, a dummy-down version of all of the different uh, rule books, NT2A, uh, OBR, as well as high school. And you can get it on your phone, so which is fantastic. That's actually terrific, and I can tell you that would be something I will be downloading the second we're done recording. Yes, sir. Um, because I'm I'm the coach that likes having the rule book in my back pocket just in case, and, uh, and I I appreciate you bringing that up here because this is that this is the point of this podcast is to bring out info and put stuff out there that people may not know about, and I mean I've been been coaching since I was 19 year old years old, um, and you know I've I've learned a lot along the ways and it, it astonishes me that like something like that that's so simple so easy just a rule book on your phone in your back pocket is an app yes sir and. It's awesome to hear. I mean, like here I am, 33 years old, learning something new every day. So, Well, also the nice thing about the Umpire World Network is that it's not just umpires. It's coaches as well. We don't have a, a, a just a, a prerequisite of saying that it's got to be an umpire to be part of the group. Um, we have Cooperstown. Uh, we have two sites called Cooperstown Baseball Umpires and Cooperstown Umpires, which are the guys that go to Cooperstown every year and they do the tournaments down there, the 12U tournaments. And um, these guys, they, they, they have a nice rapport. They, they're year after year. And um, again, it's, uh, it's a growing industry uh, with, with Ripken and uh, Aberdeen and those kind of places. These guys are now going to all these different facilities. Uh, Diamond Nation down in New Jersey, we're close friends with those guys. And um, again, we're just spreading the love and we're just uh, making sure that all the new people are now replenishing the retirees and, and so on. Um, as you know, we do have a, quite a bit of a crisis right now with trying to replenish uh, the umpires because a lot of guys are retiring and with the um, issues we have with parenting and so on and so forth and a lot of issues with the younger player, uh, younger umpires, they don't want to come back. We right. can't get them to come back. So unfortunately, um, well, I should look, shouldn't say unfortunately, but it's, it's a good thing that we are now addressing the issue as opposed to just letting it flounder and not um, 
uh, trying to take care of the issues because around the country it's the same problem all associations are having this issue with not being able to replenish the guys who are not only leaving but retiring as well right and i mean i i can tell you that uh you know especially i mean we talked before we started recording you know i had probably a from the time I was 13 to 16, so three or four year career umpiring little league baseball, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to, to do some Sunday travel league stuff back when that was all the rage. Sure. And uh, I mean, I, first off, I can tell you, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about training a couple times. We've talked in the last couple uh, last week or so here, and I mean, I can tell you, my training was like one two hour night of book work and one two hour night of you know some technique stuff, and then hey, here's your first game. Right. With with another right. brand new umpire, you're 13. These kids are 10. Go figure it out. Right. And right. you know, I, I can tell you, you know, I, I've obviously, you know, we, we we end up having you guys over at Lancaster um, during our tryouts. So when we do, you know, live live game stuff for tryouts and whatnot, and um, you know, have you guys, and it, it, it's always cool for me to sit there because as I'm evaluating my pitchers and catchers. I'm hearing you guys talking, you know, helping each other out and everything. And that's, that's something I think is absolutely just invaluable is, you know, before it matters, you know, before a kid's going to look at you and say, you just cost me my season, which I've heard way too many times in my career, which I don't think is right. I'll just put that out there. But, um, you know, you, you get the chance of saying like, Hey, okay. So this happened in a gym where it doesn't matter. You know, the, the, this kid's just taking a bat for a coach to see the swing. This pitcher's just throwing a pitch for the coach to see the pitch. The game's not on the line. Hey, man, you should be in this slot, not this slot. Or when you make that call, you should be positioned here, not there. It gives you a better angle. And I just the last, I mean, we've probably been doing this with you guys for four or five years now. And sure. I can tell you, every year I see something somewhere that I look at and go, wow, like this, this is cool. Because, like, you, you, you know, my, again, my experience was here's two, uh, two days, four hours total. You know, here's a here's a test on the rule book and here's some, you know, this is how you call a strike, this is how you call an out, this is how you call safe and go have fun. And uh, you know, to see see the continuing education side of it, which I believe to be probably the best part of Umpire World, of all the great things, is just the I mean, I see it all the time on the Facebook group, the the different you know, hey, here's an article about this, hey, you know, here here's an instructional video of like, here's a situation what would you make the call? Okay, now here's how it should have been called and why. Yes, sir. You know, and stuff like that. And it's that that to me is just absolutely fascinating, the amount of that stuff that's out there. Well, the nice part of it is is that we do have uh, a group of guys who have been there. They have gone through the ranks. They are teachers. They are instructors. And there's always the proper answer at the end. We have always the the only bad question is the one that's not answered or the one that's not answered correctly and for what we do with your group out at Lancaster you know we have the same boys coming back a couple years in a row and and at 13 14 they're like sponges and they want to learn you know that it's not only just about the money anymore I mean they know the money's there but now when they buy into the program and now they start learning and getting the mechanics down getting the rulings down that kind of stuff getting the proper uniform you know, it tickles me when a kid comes onto the uh, into the clinic with a pair of gray slacks, an umpire shirt, and a hat, because now I know <laughs> that the kid's buying in. You know, and then of course you got a couple guys who want to joke and laugh and make you know, you know, but you get you you rail those guys in right away, and then you know they buy into it too. So um, 
unfortunately, at 18 is the first time you can only be certified in this by the state. You have to be 18 to, to do, you know, qualify to high school, qualify to do 7th and 8th and JV. But by the time you've got three or four years of this Little League experience, now you're ready to go. Right. You can get assigned to the to the better, you know, 50 60 70 dollar games i'm not going to say you're going to go out and get that 95 dollar varsity fee but at least if you're paying your dues as a kid now you're going to be able to at least go out on the field and deal with the varsity coaches and if they see if you walk out there with your pressed pants and your shine shoes and you're looking good and you're that's 90 percent of the battle they look at you and go wow this guy knows what he's talking about this guy knows what he's doing because you look like it I can, here's a personal experience. When I was doing the uh, UIC for the Babe Ruth kids a few years back when my boys were involved, I had several parents walk up to me and say, Joel, the umpiring is so much better this year. And I look and say, no, it's not. They just look better because we had collared shirts. We had hats that matched. They wore pants that were, that were uh, you know, uh, uniform to, the, to what we were supposed to be wearing. And that was 90% of the battle because we only had one meeting the whole year that initial test i put together a, a, a hundred page test for the and it was very very you know very uh, easy for the kids but again they bought into the program the kids made money and we ended up having at least three or four kids who still on player today i used to give mike awad all the games why are you giving mike all the games well because mike says no, yes every time i call him He's yep. there. He works for Premier, which is a, which is a, a company I uh, UIC for, uh, up in the Niagara County area. And Mike is one of my mules. We, he's out there every weekend. And you know what? He bought into the program. He understands what we're doing. He he knows the business. So again, we're trying to just grow our numbers like any other organization. You know, you get a good reputation, and that's what we're doing. We're building this reputation, and through the Empire World Network, it's getting worldwide exposure as opposed to just local you know and i i think you, you hit the nail on the head i mean so a lot of the people that listen to, to this podcast are going to be coaches and players and organization heads and you know I, we have conversations amongst ourselves all the time you know I, I put a thing out the other day what's the first thing you notice about a player when he comes to tryouts attitude and appearance we're hands down the top two answers sure because if you're walking in and you're shirt is untucked and your shoes are untied and your hat's on sideways and you know you got you got a spaghetti stain from last night on your shirt and your pants look like they haven't been washed in in, in a decade i'm gonna look and be like oh, do, do you really care to be here or was that stuff just right. in a pile in your exactly. room sure. you know sure. as opposed to and you know umpiring the same way you know i and i can tell you from from a coaching standpoint and a playing standpoint you know i've i've seen my share of umpires walk up and you look and you're like oh what is this guy doing right. and you've seen other guys walk up and go all right, it's going to be a good day. I don't know this guy, but I feel like it's going to be a good day because sure. he, again, passes that eye test. And Your reputation precedes you. Absolutely. 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 And, you know, and, and there's something to be said, too, about that that workhorse umpire. You know, I spend a lot of time on the diamonds in the summer and in the spring, and, you know, I'm, I'm always surprised when I see him. I'm like, I don't, I don't know this guy. Right. You know, and right. It's, right. It's, it's, it's weird. And, I, and there's so, a reason. And, and, and I, know, I do know that every once in a while during the school season, that's because there are guys who, after high school baseball, do softball in the summer mm -hmm. for whatever reason but for the most part i look at i'm like you know I, I i generally know most of the guys that roll up you know at least have met sure. them in passing once or twice like you know and i'll get the hey man how you doing oh you still playing still playing double a or oh you still coach you know the one guy hey you still coaching new era i'm like 
Well, New Era hasn't been a team in two years, and I haven't coached for it since I was 24, so no. No. But, I, you know, you, know, you, remember, you remember people, you see them around, and, you know, the, there's something to be said about you know, reps, just getting more reps. The more you see it, the better you're going to be. Almost, I don't want to say on accident because I don't like that phrase, but the more you do it, the you almost don't have a choice but to be better. Right. Well, you know, the guys who go out and work every weekend are the guys that you want to see. You know, I know guys, I know my, myself personally, I, for the past 10 years, I've done anywhere between 150 and 160 a summer. And you know what? I have no life in the summer, but you know what? This is how I play now. I don't play anymore, but I'm a player who was an umpire. And I bought into the umpire uh, world part of it. But, you know, I've got a mentor in the big leagues, uh, Ted Barrett. He's from North Tonawanda. I'm very good friends with him um, type of thing. And, you know, what he told me a long time ago, Joel, you cannot be a player and think, you, I'm sorry, you cannot be an umpire and think like a player. You have to get that mentality out of your head. You just can't do it. But you know what? I, I do, but then on the other hand, too, Derek, this is how I play. This is why I go out there because right. I love the game so much. You know, I I'm I, I go against a lot of a lot of um, uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? I go against a lot of things that umpires say you shouldn't do. Like, I talk to the coaches. I talk to the fans. I'm that friendly <laughs> guy. You know, I'm I'm. They say that they tell me to shut up sometimes. But you know what? I'm never in problems. I, I, I've bought into the system. I feel like I can do that because I don't have a problem most games. I don't have issues with my strike zone. I don't have issues with being out of position because I've bought into the program. I, I study. I, you know, I live the life. You know, this is a lifestyle. Umpiring is a lifestyle. It's not a job. And it's a job. Don't get me wrong. But it's a lifestyle. You know, people who buy into the program and just live it every day. And, you know, it's it's something that you take pride in. And then if I kick a call, trust me, it kills me more than the, it hurts me more than it hurts the guy that I kick. Well, maybe not, because it may have cost, <laughs> it may have cost him a game, which I hope not, you know. But, but, but that being said, you know, you take so much pride in what we do that – you know, my my biggest concern and, and the way I judge a lot of my games now is if I get hit or hurt. If I walk away from that game and I don't get nailed and I don't take one in the forearm or the wrist or the head, then I like, okay, we got we got through it. We had a good game. You know, maybe I missed a I missed one what last week what was I where did, where did I miss one? I kind of think of what happened. Oh, something in the outfield. Oh, I know what it was. It was a trouble ball to left field and uh, I had the plate. And my base guy didn't call it. Now, on a trouble ball, you know that we get together on a trouble ball. Right. But if you know, I'm, we tell each other in the pregame, say, okay, I got the fly balls. But if it's a trouble ball and I can't see the shoestring, I got to rely on my base guy. Well, he didn't call it. Right? So now I'm going, oh, dude, what do we got? So now I start safing it saying no catch, no catch. But what do I hear? took you long enough to call it you know at which which drove me crazy but we didn't call it i mean we got it right right but we but mechanically we didn't get it right right and so we talked about it after and i told him i says you know what this is what we got to do and he said he goes i shook my head i said yeah but that's not a mechanic 
Right. That's not you know shaking I'm, your head. I'm not. I'm not looking for the brain rattle. I, I, I want a hand signal that I can see from from 30, 40, 50 feet away. Exactly. So you know those kind of things happened, and you just kind of we were up at Magley for that, and and it was probably a ball that was probably 35, 40 feet past the dirt line, and and I didn't see it, so I didn't call it, and I expected my guy to do it, and he didn't, so we kind of bit the bullet on that one but again i mean if you're on the same page you know we have signals that we have to work on we have mechanics that we work on we have positioning uh where we're gonna be why you're gonna be there and this is what the beauty of umpire world is is we're teaching those kind of things to everyone because once you stop learning it's the beginning of the end and you know pressure's a privilege and if you don't get that pressure and understand it and start to figure out how to handle it you're never going to progress up the ladder you're never going to get the muni ball you're never going to get the legion ball you're never going to get the high school stuff because you're evaluated every time you go out there you don't know who's evaluating you you don't know if uh norby or, or myself or anybody who evaluates is watching you because we we don't go there and go hey the only reason we're here is to evaluate you. Right. No, we're hiding behind the screen. We're hiding behind the bushes <laughs> going, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, that guy didn't move on that play. I wonder why. So, again, it's uh, it's like anything else in baseball where you're learning how to hit. You're learning how to pitch. And the, and the teachers are the ones that really make our organization, your organization. You know, the great teachers are the ones who last forever. Not the yellers, not the screamers, not the guys who come out there with their shoes untied or their white sunglasses. Larry. No. <laughs> <laughs> Love just, that. Just kidding, Larry. Love that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. I'm, you, I'm all about a good, a good friendly call out. You Trust know. me. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I just wouldn't wear white sunglasses behind home plate. <laughs> that, that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I've, I've learned a lot just from sitting, you know, where I sit during our tryout and, you know, watching you guys. You know, and, and I've seen, you know, I've seen guys, you know, that we, we've had guys that will come in and like, hey, you know, it's been it's been a super wet year. You know, do you, like, you know, I got a couple friends that will text me, hey, do you have guys throwing bullpens today? I need to see a ball out of a pitcher's hand. Mm-hmm. You know what? I understand that because, you know, who else does? My catchers. Yeah. So, oh, you know, my, my, my catchers need to see it. They need to, they need to get a feel for a guy behind them. And you know, so we'll we'll put it we'll put up the 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 batter silhouette on one side, and you know I tell I'll, you know my 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 catchers will know the sequence that they're catching that day, and you know I've I've seen three guys come, two guys two guys working, and then you know all right I'm gonna go over here, you come back here, I go there, and you kind of tell like hey man like you're you're pulling up a little quick or you're you know you're you know kind of st- you know stay in there a little bit longer stuff like that, and you know then when we do the the full game stuff, uh, you know hearing guys like hey you were in A and I needed you in D or something like that again mm-hmm. I, I don't know it I don't know it well enough to to know what I, exactly what I'm talking about, but I sit there and I hear it and I'm just like there's a lot more to this than I think a lot of coaches you know oh well abso- well absolutely you know and and then and then you start talking you know three man crew four man crew you know we when we go to Florida every year we get every night game gets a, t- a three or four man crew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just it it looks different on our end when we play you know play as players and coaches because no there's there's an umpire where hey there's there, there's there's more than okay okay now i gotta you know now my shortstop's asking that umpire to move and i still got an umpire over there somewhere and yeah. like you know it's just it changes the game a little bit but that's just another thing you guys have to learn and uh when you know where we go down to vero that's actually part of an umpire school down there and I've had had the pleasure to talk to a few of those guys and girls, and they're, they're I mean they're meticulous about their stuff. You know, it's well. There's two there's two uh, schools 
Uh, one is MILB, yep. which is uh, run by the major leagues, and then there's uh, Windelstadt umpiring school as well. Yep. And these two schools are as serious as a heart attack. You pay good money to go to these things. And then if you're in the top echelon of their class, you will get jobs in pro baseball. And a lot of guys go down there with that as their goal. But then I've also got friends, uh, my friend from Alabama, um, he went down there as a 45-year-old official. Well, guess what? He knew he wasn't getting a job, but he went down there for the training, and he came back and said it was the by far the best two weeks of his life when it came to umpiring because you come out of there with knowledge that there's no other way you can get. Right. You're talking to the big leagues. You're talking my friend Mark Dyer, another uh, friend of mine from Delaware. He went last year, and um, again, Mark just a Cooperstown official, does some stuff in uh, Delaware. But he went, and you know what, Derek? He had a ball. He and, you know, he met Hickok. He met Hunter. He met all these guys. And uh, they just they take him under their wing, and you learn so much that you could never. The stories they share. I mean, there's no way you could get that kind of information other than going through, through those people. And it's just something that uh, I plan on doing it. You know, I'm 62 this year, but you know what? I'm going to go there with the idea that I'm going to learn and I'm going to, you know, just pick up as much information and be a sponge yeah. because that's really what I'm playing is about. You have to, you never know what's going to happen. Every game is a different situation, a different rule set. And that's the that's one of the problems I have is we have so many different rule sets with so many different rulings. You have <laughs> H, you have NHS, you have BOBR, you have NC2A. You have all these different rule sets that when you walk out on the field, the first thing I ask you as a coach, what rule set are we playing today? Right. What rule set are we? And then if you don't know, well, well, I don't know OBR or I don't know NFHS. Well, then you know what? You guys are at the mercy of us. So how can you have an argument if you don't really know what rule set or what the ruling is because it's different <laughs> in a rule in a different rule book? And and then on top of it for you guys, there's the we're playing major league rules with these exceptions. Exactly. You know, and I and I I know from. From running a team in uh, in the Double A Media League in the area with uh, that Ralph Perot uh, mm -hmm. is the commissioner of, yes, you know the at one point it was you know you it you know it's major league rules then you know the the American League DH role but you can bat ten and you're, oh, you're, what and, a and pain you're, in the neck that and is and your and your EH is basically a free oh. defensive substitution and you can bat eleven or twelve and at any point during the game you can just toss a guy at the end of your lineup and at any point in the game you know you can. It, it, there's so much, and at one point we had the argument of um, he instituted the rule that if you had ten, you had to bat ten. You mm -hmm. couldn't do nine with a DH. You had to have ten guys in your lineup. Right. And then it was, well, you know, the, there was a game that our our you know my old coach Chuck Rigetti, um stood out in right field to stop a forfeit because we had three guys no show first thing in the morning on a Sunday. So he went out and stood in, in, in right field and hit ninth and just stood there with a the bat on his shoulder. He was a body to stop a forfeit. Got it. Well, the next game, we only had nine guys plus him, and the other team was like, nope, you have ten. He's got a hit. And they're like, all right, so you, you want this 60-year-old man to get in the box against the guy throwing mid-80s. Wow. Like, he did it, stood nowhere near the plate. Like, But now you want to do it just on principle because you want to free out. Right. Like, come on. Right. And, you know, and uh, like keeping all that stuff straight for you guys, is, it's got to be – I mean, I've, I've had guys look and be like – I'm gonna call major league rules. You guys take care of your league stuff between the two of you, and I'll I'll weigh in if I if, if there's an issue. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's very complicated. Needless to say, it's uh, DHs and EHs and all that stuff. I mean, what I try to do in those situations, if it's me, I bring everybody together, and I try to make a gentleman's agreement 
and whatever's going to be best for everyone. You right. know, if if it's not if it's not a life or death situation or a game winning home run or something like that. I mean, I can understand that at the end of a game or something that you know by batting out of order stuff like that. But for the most part, it's it seems like there's just way too many rules and too many different variations and that's why Jimmy uh, Jimmy Bentoncourt um, is a good buddy and he's got this app like I said but what he did was it's nice because he dummied it down he's got it in layman terms right there's no one a b c d e f g <laughs> it's more like you know right in a row so you it's right there in front of you but i mean i remember taking the new york state test and just almost impossible trying to find the answer yeah in the book it's, and it's right in front of you i've i've read some of the some of the baseball rules and it reads very much like legal jargon as it i call is. it and that's the problem you know if, if you're if you're ever reading penal code that's what reading the baseball it rule book really sounds is. like and you know it's funny because it seems like most of the rules in there you don't ever use anyway until the one time you need it until the one time you need it <laughs> and i'm not bashing at all i'm just saying that it's extremely complicated and that's why we have what we have now as far as this learning platform because the nice thing about the umpire world is people come on there with every single kind of uh, play or situation and then we'll have 25 30 40 50 different people coming on and then once we hammer it all out at the end we can say well here's the answer right and that's the that's the beauty of it all is the answer is always going to be there regardless if it takes 15 guys, you know, badgering each other, going, hey, you know what, that's not what I have with me. But point being is that that is where we're going, is the answer is going to be there eventually. And then we can we can um, cut off the comments and say, we don't need to talk about this anymore. Here's right. the answer. Yeah, Here's, so, here is the black and white rule. Exactly. End of conversation. Your, right. your opinion no longer matters. Here's the fact. Right, right, and right. it's funny because I'm, I'm actually going to use, we before we start recording, um, you know, I'm going to give a shout out. Uh, we are sitting at the Athlete Factory, home of Aces and Inferno Baseball. Thanks to Rich Wozniak and Dennis Crowley for allowing me to use this space that yes, I, sir. thank you, you guys, know, fell fell in love with when I was 15 years old and just decided never to leave. And um, we were actually talking before we started recording about a, recording about a situation that happened when he was when Rich was umpiring in Cooperstown about an infield fly where the runner going back to first ran over the first baseman who was camped onto the ball before he caught it and the discussion leading to who's out, why are they out, what order are they out in, and how many outs do we have? And <laughs> I sat and listened to you guys kind of t- kind of talk about it, and he told the story that late that night, the guy that he was working with in that game, he saw that he was awake, and he's on his iPad looking for the answer to what's the rule on this situation. Jack Priestley, by the way, which we all love and know that he is a rules guru. You know, and, and I, I love a good rules guru. And, uh, you know, because you, you always hear fascinating stories about how, how you came to know that that's a rule because there's always a story behind it, right. like this one. And, uh, you know, he, he ended up coming out and saying, you know, telling, telling Rich Wozniak the next morning, like, hey, I figured it out. There should have been two outs. We called it this way where there was only one. Um, he goes, but in, like, it, you know, in the explanation of it, he goes, there were there was an umpire crew that was umpiring, I believe he said it was for the St. Louis Cardinals, right. that had the same exact situation, and they called it the same exact way those two guys did, and they were wrong. But Rich, Rich just literally just, you know, a half hour ago told us the story that, you know, if I look at this and say, you know, me and my partner came to the decision that 
this is how it, we thought it should have been ruled. And major league umpires made the same decision in the in the moment. I'm good with it. And you know, again, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating that you can have guys in major league baseball that come to a decision on a rule that's incorrect, and then you know, somewhere down the road, that like that knowledge, that experience being shared, taught two other guys at a completely different level how it should have been done. But in the same moment, those two guys made the same decision as two major league umpires, right. which is just absolutely mind blowing to me. Right. You know. Well, again, it's all about the knowledge, and it's all about us being able to get it right at the end. That's 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 our main concern. It's just getting it right at the end, and however you got to do it. You know, people talk about being in poop storms all the time. <laughs> you know what? If you're if you're honest and you're and you're doing your job and you're in the correct position. There's going to be rule interpretations that you're just not going to get. And all these situations come together, and sometimes it's so, so fast and so, you know, you're, you're maybe you're not in the proper position to see the swipe tag or the pulled foot. But at least if you know to go to your partner correctly, the way you should, then you can get it right at the end. And that's really what it boils down to. It's just like anything else, you know. Your mechanics are off that day, so you're not throwing, a, you're, you're not, you're not throwing strikes. Why? Maybe you're doing something that, that you weren't supposed to, you know, that, that your coach has been telling you to do. You're not doing it. Right. So here you go. Do, you know, keep doing the things repetitively, and you will see that your games as young umpires, as mediocre or mid, mid-range or top-of-the-line guys. You know, what about that play last year with the runners, the runners lane violation, if you remember in the World Series? Yep. Everybody in the world said that the umpires got it wrong. Well, guess what? They didn't get it wrong, you know. The play for the, the play when they called infield fly rule and the ball was out in left field about uh, probably 45, 50 feet from the dirt line. Well, guess what? It was infield fly because it was ordinary effort for that guy to catch it. Or infield fly rule does not have to be inside the infield infield itself. It's ordinary effort. That's the terminology. Ordinary effort. So therefore, we've got ordinary effort. He makes the call. Oh, but you have to say if it's near the foul line. Infield fly, if fair. There's there was a real a real nice uh, video that uh, was a Toronto Blue Jays catcher. The ball came po- the ball the ball got popped up on the infield, and it landed, and then kicked left, and the the camera angle picked it up so that when the catcher snatched it, the question was, did he catch it over the line? Or did he catch it inside the line? Well, Marvin Hudson, who's in this real, in this year's World Series, um, was right on the line, and he called it. I believe he called it infield fly, and that was the that was the that was what they went with. I believe that's what it was. They that's what they went with. So again, it, 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 because he was in the right position, and terminology-wise, he said it correctly. Because I had a play like that out at uh, in Pendleton one one uh, year where I didn't say if fair, right, and it kind of messed up everybody because I didn't say if fair, and if I would have said it, then it would have been clear to everyone that that would have been infield fly, and I I kicked it, and I it still bothers me. Obviously, I still remember, right? I kicked <laughs> it, and um, you know, so again, it's all about being able to just judge it, and then either. We, well, we call it selling it or 
being a casual call. Yeah. You know, because a lot of guys are out there, strike three, and it's like the guy, like, you know, he swung on it or something. There's, there's just ways to do it. And, uh, you know, with you with your working it, you, you understand that there's, you know, there's ways to make calls. You know, when I like if a, if a guy swings and it's a third strike, you don't say, strike three! <laughs> you know? You, you know, you just give a little mechanic, and he's out. You know, you don't want to make him feel already worse than he does. Right. You know, so you're not trying to show up anybody. But, um, you know, at least if Actually, you, could, could you do me a favor and sure. say, say that, what say that like, you don't want to show anybody up? Can you say that one more time? You don't want to show anybody up. Okay, I'm going to do a quick shout-out because I have... I've got a couple guys that do the immediate league that I play in, and when I played uh, and I ran, I still play, but when I ran my team, Team New Era, we uh, we had the cooler rule at the end of the game. So whoever made the last out had to bring the frosty oh, beverages for the next one. There you go, amen. And we had a cooler that you actually had to cart home and bring back, and it was it was a huge thing. So it was kind of a punishment for making the last out. And we were playing a game. We were up like 12, 12 nothing in the bottom of the fourth, so it was probably our last ups. And we went around – we ended up going on the order twice because nobody wanted the cooler. And this is like the second or third time this happened to me once some of the umpires started realizing what was going on and like knew the rule. And I had somebody who I'm not going to name, but he knows who he is, ring me on a, str- on a, on a curveball that came in over my head. He looked at me, smiled, and went, I'll take a course. Ha! And then ripped the phone book on me. And I was wow. like, oh, you're <laughs> killing me, man. Like... So, you know, I just I just wanted to throw that one out there. Yeah, I do. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of this podcast is the divulging into telling stories like sure. we have been for the last little while here. Sure. And those it's usually a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah. Um, now, so back, getting back on track, what is what is next for for you personally and what's next for Umpire World? OK, well, the good news is this. Um, there's been a there's been a project that's been going on for the past couple, three years that I know has been kind of kind of slowed down with COVID and everything. But up in Niagara Falls at the old Summit Park Mall is the facility. The name of it's now is called the Niagara International Sports and Entertainment. And what that is, it's a project that's run by Neil Turvey. Uh, there is a um, we all know Neil. He's been around forever and ever doing a lot of great things here in the area. Um, and we have an investor from uh, the in, from Canada, uh, Zorn Kolkoff, his name is, and he's purchased the mall. And now this n- this nice program is opening up. Um, they've already opened up last fall, but because of COVID, we've had to slow down. But they're opening this up, and Umpire World, along with Premier Officials, is actually moving in in January. We're getting two areas inside the mall. One is going to be for on-field training, balls and strikes, as well as uh, uh, base work. And the other area will be for classrooms, which will be a classroom setting, whiteboards, probably some kind of um, uh, television stuff, YouTube, that kind of thing. And then also a third area, which will be a locker room area with um, we're hoping for this part, uh, 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 an office and uh, maybe even a little area, a lounge type of place so the guys can get dressed and so on. Because what's going to happen, Derek, is the premier officials, um, which is run by Rodney Hoagie, he's the president, I'm UIC, we are going to be in-house officiating. And it's going to be not only for softball and baseball, but also for the football, flag football, lacrosse, soccer. There's going to be some basketball courts. So we've already been in contact with these kind of folks, too, for the officiating of these leagues. So the in-house stuff uh, will be called Premier Officials. And we've really been 
chomping at the bit to get in there for the past couple years, but with the uh, politics and you know, Army Corps of Engineers had to tell us that the wetlands were really wet. They really are. <laughs> I and and I've I've heard some I've heard some of the things that have slowed that down here yes, and there. Yes, and, sir. Uh, yes, sir. So that being said, um, in January we are moving in there and can't uh, be more excited and um, uh, looking forward to not only working with um, the uh, the baseball guys. But uh, I'm very good friends with Russ Kingsbury, who runs the Gus Macker. Yep. My friend Johnny Augustine, who everyone knows has uh, been involved with Gladiators forever and ever. I just got a phone call last night, as a matter of fact, from Johnny. Um, he got a phone call from a gentleman, uh, Phil Fisher, his name is. He's an NFL, uh, former NFL player, CFL player. And he's interested in bringing an arena team into the uh, NICE program, too. Wow. So this is something that um, is, in the, is in the fetal stages, needless to say. But will be growing rapidly and once these two um, indoor facilities are built they're going to be high ceiling indoor facilities so that we can play actual games yep. inside the facility and uh, soccer lacrosse like i said baseball football basketball all that stuff so this is something that this area has needed so desperately for so long if anybody has ever gone down to the spooky uh, spooky nook in pennsylvania it's the biggest, largest uh, facility, indoor facility for major sports uh, in this neck of the woods, you might say. And that's what I think our goal is going to be, is to be that destination for not only travel baseball, but AAU basketball, yep. uh, flag football, uh, lacrosse, soccer. I think we already had a, a, well, I shouldn't say this, but I think Northtown Soccer has already given a, 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 some kind of a, a I don't want to say monetary uh, commitment, but I believe they've already committed to it. They talk, they're talk; they talking about putting other venues in there as far as I believe there used to be a thing called, I think it's still called the Niagara Thunder Brewery. They allocated money for that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, from what I understand, because I, I, as we've talked, I'm, I'm good friends with a couple of the guys that work up there. Yes, and, uh, you know, I know there is a brewery that's planned for up there. Uh, there's rumor of potentially a top golf type facility. Ah. You know, so that cool arcade style driving range uh -huh. that you see, you know, cool. all over social media. Um, there's they have mini golf, laser tag, uh, like the the Lasertron bumper car things. Oh, wow. Like it, like uh, not it, not airsoft, but it's basically like the foam golf balls. Mm -hmm. There's you know they have these little shoot like condensed air power shooters for those. Um, and, th and that stuff's already up there. You yes, know, that sir. stuff's already in. Yes, um, you know, I, wa I, I walked through there uh, probably two months ago now. And, you know, the, they have two outdoor field houses planned, like you said, that are free span, tall ceilings. You can play one 90-foot baseball game or, I believe, two or three softball games or little league games, something Very like cool. that. Um, you know, multiple basketball courts, volleyball courts. They already have a volleyball program in there. Uh, you know, there's going to be floor hockey. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. You know, a lot of big plans up there. It's a lot just, of big plans up there. Well, as as you know, um, Jeff and Neil, so Jeff Semecki uh, with the Thunderwolves program, they're they're just a top of the line program. They do a lot of great things up that area. Um, I know there's a bicycle uh, bicycle store that's yep. already gone in there, a high tech bicycle store. Um, who knows? I mean, I understand there's going to be a village sub type of thing so that the parents can go and and have their kids, uh, you know, walk around in there and just and, and not just be a sports facility. Right. But but for entertainment as well. I'm understanding that there's going to be concerts, um, those kind of things that I've heard. Now, I, these are all just hearsay on, yes, my, on my end of it. Okay? Absolutely. I, that, um, I, I wanted to put that disclaimer out, too, that the, a lot of this is very, very much in the talking stage. Yes, um, 
you know, don't want to put out intel out there from. And and, and I I actually met Zorn. I was involved on one of the when they first started putting uh, this information out. I wouldn't. I talked with Neil. We had a meeting with Zorn over at Tim Hortons, and I brought my perspective to Zorn, and he loved it. And you know, from what I was told in the past, he's also interested in putting a nine a nine thousand seat hockey facility in front of the mall yep. so that he could bring in a junior team. And when I told Johnny Augustine that last night, he said that would be amazing for the Arena League because that's the amount of guys that or amount of seats they were looking for for this type of thing. So again, needless to say, this is a facility that we will become a destination. Yeah, you know, like Cooperstown's a destination. And that that was one of those things that that's what they were shooting for when this plan was in its true infancy. It was yes, something that was going to be, you know, something bigger, something different, and something that people were going to come simply to be part of this and then it was going to help the surrounding area because they wanted to be here so now everything else around kind of benefits it. and with the falls being right there people will come to see that as well right so the beauty of what's going to happen with us as far as officials are concerned is what happens in cooperstown as well you know cooperstown gets guys to come there all year dreams park has 109 teams every week for 13 weeks all-star village is up to 65 teams a week for 13 weeks they need officials i've gone on several occasions like i say i uic'd there in 16 but we get guys come in from all over the country who get compensated by the teams and i firmly believe that this is what's going to happen with this nice program with the facility having the fields on the outside of the buildings as well these tournaments, the pitch and hit guys up, the pitch and hit events, they bring in major, major events. You know, yeah. I mean, these guys bring in people from all over the place. I've officiated games up there at Magley that were intense baseball. We had a kid a couple years ago who was a, um, a D1 prospect. He was on the Canadian team, and uh, he, he, he signed with Oklahoma. And this guy, he was pumping 85-90. And I can, I can, uh, I can say I... I'm proud to announce that I finally saw 90 miles an hour this summer. Who's the kid, Derek, that pitches for um, Canisius College? Charlie Sabonski or Sabinski or uh, Charlie? He, is, I don't know if it would be him. The one that I know would be Charlie Sober- Soberieski. That's the name. Okay, he was uh, he was UB. Okay, UB. Okay, yep. my bad. Okay, well I had Queen City. Yep. Against Ralph. Yep. And we had one to nothing going into the top of seven at at uh, at Northtown. And Mike, the catcher for Queen City, he's all kinds of annoyed because he had a pass ball that's one to nothing, and we had a great game. So now, top of seven, Queen City puts three up on the board, and they bring in this Charlie. Yep. Now I have never seen ninety. All my years of umpiring, I mean, I'm local. There's just not enough 90s around. People don't come here to pitch. They leave. <laughs> they leave to pitch. Right. But anyway, point being is, I take this first one, and I said, oh, that's different. <laughs> and sure enough, I asked Mike. I go, Mike, what's this guy's number? He goes, I oh, he usually tops at like 92. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I just slowed everything down like I was told to do, and I just didn't hear a chirp all night, called the pitches, it was Wagner, Finney, and I'm trying to think the third guy in the order. They all went down swinging. Yep. They all went down swinging in that game, and they ended up winning 3-1. to one. 
And you know what? I look back now. I called Al Clark that night, and I said, Al, I finally saw 90. He goes, well, how'd you do? I said, well, I did what you told me. I slowed <laughs> everything down. I, I, I made the calls. And to be honest, I was probably lucky that Charlie didn't throw the breaking ball because maybe I wouldn't have known what to do then <laughs> <laughs> because he was pinpointing that 90 and he was all over that. And, that, and you know, when you've got those guys and you've got those catchers who they put it, they put it where they set up, it's a whole different ball game. Yep. It's a whole different thing. You know, you have that confidence level because you know he's going to put it where he sets up and he catches it. There wasn't any spiking. There wasn't any balls in the dirt. And it was just a it was just a thrill to be able to do that and be able to look back now and say, I finally saw it. Right. You know, so now I feel confident enough that if I see it again, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. You know? So a lot of guys, you know, they never see it. I I can tell you uh, I had the pleasure of coaching Charlie when he was twelve, um, for for a season. And he was a, he wanted to be a catcher back then until he realized he didn't like carrying a big bag around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but so I've known Charlie for a long time, and we faced him three times that year. I wasn't at I, I wasn't at the first two games because of work, but I I was at the third game, and then we fought saw him for two games in the playoffs. And I think Charlie threw in four of those five games. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Charlie, if you die, I, I, there's a couple guys on my team that can tell you that when Charlie misses, it hurts. <laughs> but uh, as far as the experience of seeing ninety, I can tell you that that's that's something that is un you know not talked about enough and i can tell you that that's you know something i wish uh this was back in 2014 uh mark armstrong who got drafted by the reds out of clarence was on the mound for them in the sectional final against us who had ryan steckel on the mound steckel sat 85 to 87 mm-hmm. and mark sat 94 to 96 wow. and the umpire behind the plate flinched on every Everyone. single pitch mm-hmm. and it actually I don't like to complain about umpiring impacting a game, but it 100% Absolutely. did. Um, you know, and that, it, it didn't help that at the time, uh, Sal Magley has come a long way since then, and that is, you know, again, attributed to Neil, Neil Turvey, who's done incredible work up there. Sure. Um, but back then, the bank of lights, when you're facing home plate, the bank of lights on the right-hand side behind home plate was out, mm. and we played a sectional final game there under the lights. So when you have the umpire flinching on every single fastball, he uh, he ended up actually walking in there. We were up one nothing going into the in the fifth. He ended up we ended up walking in the tying and go ahead run on balls that both times the hitters were walking back to the dugout because they knew it was strike three and he put them on first. And we ended up losing the game two to one. Wow. So I I don't like complaining about it, but like the the ability of an umpire to see that and be able to stand in there and call it, to a trust your equipment that if it hits you, it's not going to hurt. Get your hands out of the way, you know, because you know if if you're afraid of getting hurt, where's it going to hurt? The stuff that's not padded. So make sure it's hidden. And you know, having this guy flinch and you know kind of shy away on every single pitch, yeah. and it was frustrating to say the least. So it's you know seeing 90s impressive as a whole. Seeing it from behind the plate's got to be a whole new world. I couldn't even imagine trying to hit it. I, I mean, it's just... It's, it's not fun. <laughs> last night in the in the World Series last night, Bellinger hit... Bellinger's home run... Uh, or was it the game before? No, it was the game before, the game-winning home run. He hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, okay? All I can think of is when I... when I, I mean, I saw 92. 
I mean, even six or seven more miles an hour, it's got to be absolutely totally different. To be, you got to start swinging like before he even hardly lets go of it, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I I can tell you, I had the pleasure of uh, when this when this building that we're sitting in right now didn't have that front addition in the back cages, and like where we're sitting right now is actually where the front desk was, and where the mounds are behind us were actually three cages that had mounds in them. Yeah, and. I had the pleasure when Joe Winklesass was working his way back to, I believe, his stint. It was either with the White Sox or the Brewers. I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. But he was doing – he gave lessons here at the time, and he was doing his his training to get back to that point. Yeah. And he was another guy sitting 94, 96, somewhere in there. And he was thrown to one of our the showcase catchers that played here. And he looked at me, and he's like, hey, big cat, you got a bat with you? I was like – I'm pretty sure the only thing I got with me right now is metal. I was like 19, so I was still playing uh, Babe Ruth Big League, which was still which was metal bat. That was also my first summer in Muni, so I was you know half wood, half metal. I just had my metal with me because I was hitting off the cage, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I only got metal. He's like, good, grab a helmet. I don't care if it's metal. And here he is without an L frame in front of him, and the first pitch was just a vapor trail, nice. and the second pitch was a fastball. I actually got a decent piece of it. He kind of looked at me. He's like. Not bad. And then he threw me a slider, and I damn near loaded my pants. So that was, you know, seeing see, seeing that fast, you know, you can you can time it up and guess and you know get lucky. And then as soon as the ball moves a little bit, it's just it's a different world, and it yes. was it was incredible. And, and that's what I felt very fortunate that Charlie did not throw any benders at all, because I would have probably locked right up. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were like, oh, whoa, what was that? You know, <laughs> because the, I'm sure the 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 velocity would have been. Probably at least ten miles an hour less. Yeah, at least you'd think. Um, but I do have to share my Joey Winkle says I am very good friends with Joe from the time Joe, believe it or not, was twelve years old. Wow. I umpired Joey when he was twelve over behind Lafayette uh, School, where the ice rink now is on Tacoma. Okay. Well, back in those days was the baseball fields, and I'm friends with Joey since little. Since that was my first couple years with Western New York, and. Joey's from the west side. I'm from the west side. So I, I knew Joey's parents and everything. So I used to tease Joey when he'd come to the games, and I'd say, Joe, because he was head and shoulders over everybody, right. the, needless to say. And I used to tease him. I'd say, Joey, I'm not letting you strike anybody out today. And he'd say, <laughs> come on, Mr. Mars. Come on, Mr. Mars. <laughs> well, I hadn't seen Joe. I knew, he, I knew he progressed up to the bigs and so on, you know, Atlanta, all that. But anyway. I hadn't seen him in years and years and years and years. So one day we're at Brighton, and I have a one-man game, and all of a sudden I see Joey walk up on the field. And I approached him, and I said, I said, uh, Joe, do you remember me? And he looks right at me, and he goes, of course I remember you, Mr. Mars. I was like, okay, very cool. So <laughs> after that, I started helping Joey with his team. He had um, the Titans before they disbanded, I Yes. Think? And I helped him with his catchers. You know, I was a catcher, so <laughs> I'm pretty versed in that. And and I was helping him with his catchers at the time. And um, just a, just another great guy that you know, another that uh, you know, you just look back and say he made it. You know, he made it. And and I know there's a bunch of guys that have made it, but but with me knowing him as a child, right. That's what I would love to do and put a feather in my cap is to say that. One of the guys that we trained in umpire world at least had a shot. Right. You know, at least went to maybe triple A. You know, yeah. Wally is Wally's done triple A, Buzz has done triple A, stuff like that. 
but we've never had a guy go to the bigs. Right. And, you know, Teddy was from North Tonawanda, but he moved to California when he was like 10 or 12. Right. So he's technically a North Tonawanda kid, but he grew up out there. Yeah. So, but when I talk with Teddy, he does say about how he did work the tea fields in North Tonawanda as a child. And that kind of, that's kind of neat to be able to, to say that we've got the only guy, and this is, this is a great trivia question, the only umpire to ever umpire two perfect games behind the plate in the history of baseball is Ted Barrett. Wow. There's several others who have had one, but Teddy's the only guy to ever have two, which is David Cohn and Kane. What was Kane's first? Matt Kane from San Francisco. Okay. I think it's Matt Kane. So he's got those two perfect games. And then, of course, Teddy has the 18-inning plate in the World Series. So those are the three things that Teddy can look back and say. And you know what? How can you can you even imagine what it's like to do 18 innings behind a plate? No. Much less a Little League game, but the World Series? I think it was I, a World Series. I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's the, the your focus and your... And your uh, your uh, stamina just must be. Yeah, I mean, and just just the the ability to stay in that mentally. Oh, it's crazy. And it, it is Matt Cain, by the way. Was I just it Matt I Cain? just just verified yeah, it for you. Yeah, yeah, he had that, uh, and uh, and then David Cohn. So, but uh, yeah, so you know, for for the most part, uh, this umpire thing has just become um, my life. Really, I yeah. mean, I just, I mean, I've gotten to the point now where we've ran across enough people with enough credibility, as well as I do the little kids too. And you know what, Derek? I look at that as this. I go there with the idea that I'm going to coach more than I umpire for those little kids mm-hmm. because that's really what it boils down to. You know, um, we've been fortunate enough to have some good people around that have helped us with diamonds, that have helped us with, you know, putting leagues together and, and, and getting kids to, to, to uh, be recruited and, and helped. Uh, as far as the umpiring was concerned, so yes, at this point now we're just going to keep on rolling in the direction that we are, and and um, you know I gave it to the Lord a long time ago. I said if this is what we're supposed to be doing, it's all your glory, and have, honest to God, everything that's been happening has gone right the right direction, and you know all the praise of the Lord, Amen. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, my man. I uh, you know we were talking about the first time we we officially met before we started recording, and uh, I think we've come a long way from that. And I have to tell you, I. Yeah, even even though our first meeting wasn't very well, you know what? It wasn't. It must not have been that big of a deal. It, it really wasn't because it I really didn't hardly even remember it. Now you said it, I I remember it because it, like my mind just has a memory for for weird things like this, and yeah. I'm I'm gonna tell the story, um, and then the, you know just to wrap it up. I hope it wasn't a bad call on my part. No, no. So so what it what it was <laughs> is I was playing um on a Sunday. It was a it's a Sunday league out in the Tonawandas, uh, mostly out of Brighton. They play uh-huh. a couple games at Sheridan Park, and uh, it was a, it was a Sunday morning, and we were uh, we were playing. and We were facing a lefty who, in my opinion, was balking with a runner on first. And you know, we I after the inning, after the second inning, he he was pulling this move. I came to walk up to you to say something because uh, our coach Rick didn't want to ruffle any feathers, and I said, "Well, I'll, I'll ruffle feathers." And uh, yeah, I came up to talk to you, and the pitcher was walking by as I was bringing it up to you. Right. And I had a few choice words for him. Uh, basically, told him that I'd forgotten more about pitching than he's ever uh-huh. known. And he said something back to me, and I, 
basically told him that I, I wasn't talking to him and to go sit down with some flowery words and a not so great term. And you looked at me and said, well, this conversation's done because I'm not talking to you with a mouth like that. Oh, and I looked at you and went, yeah, I deserve that. And I just walked away. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, the reason this stands out is because that like that that's me as a person like I went too far with the other guy for no reason right. and you looked at me and said well this conversation's over get away from me and I went yeah I'm all right well and you know that's but that's that respectable you know fair firm consistent you know you, there was no need for me to go where I went right. and that's on me and you know you didn't toss me because it wasn't at you right it was just a we're done go away okay and I'm I'm good and I I will never forget that and I don't know why it stands out so much in my well, brain, but you know, I'm that guy. I really am. Unless, unless you really insult my integrity or drop a bomb at me, right? Then I'm not, Derek. I've thrown out two people in my entire life since wow. I've done this, and I take that as a I take that as a badge of honor, you know, because I'm not in a lot of storms. I'm not in a lot of situations where I'm in in conflict with players or uh, or, or or coaches. Um, you know, I the one the one coach he insulted me, my integrity, and said that I still had a, cr- a grudge against West Seneca because I had played little league football against them thirty years ago and we lost sixty six to nothing. Oh So man. I had a swipe tag between first and second, which went against him, and he gets he it was a final out, and as he's walking away, he looks at me and he says, "Well, it looks like you still have a grudge against West Seneca." And I let him walk away. So as he comes back for the next inning, he comes back to first base box. I took my glasses off. I walked over to him and I said, let's talk about the fact that you think I'm cheating. Do you think I'm cheating? He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, no, no, no. I said, let's talk about the fact that you think I'm cheating. You missed the tell you. I said, no, no, no. We're not talking about that. You think I'm cheating? He goes, well, if your shoe, if the shoe fits. And I said, well, your shoes fit and you're gone. And he, he he and I had the I had the, the 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 plate the second game, so when we approached for the plate for the plate meeting, his manager and him approached the plate, and the manager says to me, "Now Joel, we're not going to have any problems with my coach because of the last game, right?" And I looked at this guy, go, "I don't have a clue what you're talking about." I said, "That was the last game. This has nothing to do with this game. Yeah. What are you talking about?" And then the other guy, he definitely had a profanity. <laughs> tirade at me and I just I didn't even address him to be honest Derek I addressed his manager and I told him I says and you might even know who Chris is uh Chris plays uh played for Niagara Community um I'm trying to think of his last name top of my head but I can't remember but anyway he dropped a couple bombs on me and I said um um what's his name you know Frankie Frankie from the um from Niagara Falls I said Frankie get him out of here I didn't even address him. Yeah. I wouldn't even address him. And you know what? I made a positive out of a negative because after that, I brought him a Yankee stuffed animal for his newborn son, and we've been buddies ever since. So instead Perfect. of instead of keeping this thing rolling the wrong direction, I said, you know what? I'm going to nip it in the bud right now, and Chris and I are buddies. Yeah. So, you know, that's the bed, that's the beauty of the umpire thing. You can make friends and influence people you don't have to be that guy that when you walk out on the field goes oh we got this guy today and there there are guys that have that reputation i can tell you that no question no question and you know i i mean i i try to be a mentor but i don't i also don't try to push my knowledge or my uh seniority or whatever you want to call it on guys because you can read them right away 
if they think they're God's creation to, to umpiring or any or any vocation, right? Those are the guys you just kind of, okay, okay, do your thing. We'll get through this. You know, like I said about Larry, right? Okay, I, I'm the, I'll tell you off air. <laughs> you know, so, but uh, that's where we pretty much stand as far as the umpiring world thing is. You know, yeah. we just uh, are trying to just spread the love, spread the uh, education, and um, you know, I really appreciate you having me on today. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to come uh, come sit with, come sit and talk and tell some stories with me and. Uh, yeah, I'll look look forward to working with you again because I I think we got uh, I think we've got some cool stuff coming down the pipeline here. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, sir, and uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been another episode of a tip of the cap, and I'll catch you guys next time. Sweet. <laughs>